Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What the fuckadelics? What the fuckleberry thins? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you. Thank you for uh, hanging out. Thanks for listening. Hello to you wherever you are. Running, keep running, keep running. You'll get there. You'll become exactly the person you want to be soon. It's going to happen. You'll be perfect. Everything will be in working order. You will be a machine, a machine, an efficient machine that will never die. All right, well, wait, that last part, that's a little crazy, but you, you'll you feel better, and it's good for you. It's good for your heart. Why am I not doing it? I'm in a hotel in Portland, Oregon. Had some great shows. Uh, me and the, uh, the authentic character, Dean Del Rey, uh, ripped it up here at the Aladdin Theater and uh, at Revolution Hall, which is another venue. Two different venues, two sold-out shows. Killer, as Dean would say. Today is a comic book-themed show. Can we say that? I believe it is. I believe it is. I'm going to spend a few minutes with, uh, with Bob Fingerman because he's got the new edition of Minimum Wage, his comic. It's available from uh, Image Comics, and I'm in it. I got a little story arc in there from the old days, from back in the day. Yeah, and then I'm going to talk to... Uh, to Robert Kirkman, uh, who you know probably as the writer and creator of The Walking Dead, along with artist Tony Moore. Uh, and these are these are comic guys, and I'm sort of a fake comic guy. I'll explain that in a minute, but let's get back to the Residence Inn and what it means to me as a human being since I'm talking about the depth of things affecting me. So I could have stayed at the, the place with the, uh, you know, with the, the new mod look, some uh, interesting bath products from... Uh, from a relatively expensive uh, provider that perhaps uses local ingredients or whatnot. But nope, I'm at the residence. And quite honestly, I was excited that they had Paul Mitchell products because quite honestly, I have not used a Paul Mitchell product since I was in high school. So it was like washing my hair and going back in time. Perhaps I'm just getting too nostalgic, but that Awapahe shampoo, if you haven't used it since you thought it was a big deal 20 years ago, it's sort of like, I remember this smell. The amazing thing about the courtyard is that, uh, you know, you go down, you got the free breakfast, and that's the big pitch, you know what I mean? That's the thing that makes you want it. Hey, you get up, you get free breakfast buffet from 6 to 9 on weekdays, 6 to 10 on weekends, and you get all that shitty food. And the waffle maker, I know I've hung, I gotten hung up on the waffle maker, but this one is packed. So you get a nice, weird sort of slice of America down there, just packed with people of all kinds, 
families. It's right across the street from, I think, a fairly major hospital. So you get the, you get sick people, you get dying people, you get people at all different phases of life eating crappy food. And if that isn't America, I don't know what it is. And hey, I'm not above it. I'm not judging. Yeah, as you know, I have a, you know, I do the waffle thing occasionally. And I'll admit, I'll admit, I've done biscuits and gravy. I've done biscuits and gravy at a residence inn, and there's no way that shit can be good. No way. But I've done it. I don't feel good about it, but I've done it. So that's what's going on here in Portland. I didn't have the full Portland experience because I, I wanted to stay grounded in, in, in what, you know, not in, in the, the, the antithesis of hipster, which is the breakfast buffet at the residence inn at Marriott. So comic books. What's my experience? You know, what is my experience? I came late. I'm always, I don't know if you've started to realize this about me. I'm always pretty late to the party by, by sometimes decades. But I don't believe there is a late to the party anymore. I believe in the world we live in. Even when people say, you know, I just started listening to your show. I'm late to the party. I'm like, not really. They're all there. You can get them all. So how late are you? You're probably better off late to the party because then you can really appreciate it as opposed to being caught up in the momentum of being at the party. Sometimes, you know, after the party's over or where, where it's nearly over, uh, you know, you can really sort of see how it played out, whether the party was bullshit or not. So being late to the party sometimes means that, you know, if you're late and the party's still going on, maybe that was a pretty good party. But there was a period, I guess it was probably 88, 89 when I was living in an attic in Somerville, a blue attic. Someone had painted blue. I left it blue. Couldn't stand up fully in that room. And somehow or another, it, my time there sort of uh, coincided with, um, with the release of Hellblazer and Sandman, which were, you know, just comics. And I was not a comic book guy, really. I, I never was in, in my youth. I never was a Marvel Universe or a DC guy. I'd read some underground comic books, who I enjo- what, which I enjoyed. But really, my portal in was Hellblazer. And the reason that Hellblazer resonated with me so deeply was because at that time, I was still sort of coming off of drugs. I was still slightly uh, psychotic and paranoid from, uh, from cocaine, even though I was sober for, at that time for about a year and a half. But my brain was jarred. So when I read Hellblazer with John Constantine, I actually related to him. I was like, him and I are in similar situations. We're picking up a lot of mystical vibes. We're reading the, the signs. We're putting shit together. Uh, we have a purpose here that we've been designated by a lot of forces that we might not quite understand, but with some basic magic, uh, we can harness this shit and, and help people out and maybe do some good in the world or, or at least know the fucking truth of what is happening. So I was a kindred spirit with John Constantine in my fucked up brain. So that's how that played out. And then I got into Sandman through that. And then Swamp Thing, you know, backloaded in, I think, through Hellblazer. And then I started reading some of the underground stuff, some of the Charles Burns stuff, some of the Klaus stuff, uh, some of uh, the Peter Bagg stuff. And I always was really into Crumb, but it was always very specific to that stuff. But I never went full on. I did get into a pretty big Swamp Thing uh, period where I was reading a lot of the Alan Moore, the old stuff. And then I'd read the comic novels. I'd read some of the Batman stuff, some of the new stuff. I really, you know, either you got a brain that fucking locks into the graphic novel or you don't. I read The Watchmen and I was late to the party when I read it. And then I read it again and I was even later to the party, but I got it more the second time I read it. Um, and then I, I did go on a little bender, but it's one of those things, man. Either you're going to commit your life to it or you're just going to dally for a while and then know that you did. 
I'll read graphic novels on and off occasionally. I find that when I have the time to sit down and read anything, if I lock into a graphic novel, I can do it. Like, you know, Fingerman's Minimum Wage is a, is a, is a very personal, real story about him in New York and his wife, and, and it was uh, flattering for me to be you know, part of that. But I, I, don't, I didn't stick with it because it's just it's a rabbit hole that never ends you, you know you can be one of those people that goes down to the comic book store and picks up the 50 things that they pulled for you every week uh i just uh, I, I couldn't keep up with that it, it was not something i wanted to do i was i think i was more social i enjoyed talking to people i enjoyed going outside it was not really my bag necessarily but uh the walking dead i got into those volumes i haven't read them all but kirkman was it was interesting to talk to because i can talk to him about the business and a little bit with the with fingerman as well because it is a business and I, i'm surprised how relatively easy it is to put your comic out into the world you know whether you know the distributor will pick it up it seems uh hit or miss but it seems like they're from what i understand from these guys like if you get it out there you can get it into stores whether people like it who the fuck knows but that's the same with anything in this culture right now you got a podcast all right uh put it up see what happens I'm in Portland now, but I was in New York a couple of weeks ago and Bob Fingerman lives in New York and, you know, he had sent me a big stack of the comic books that I'm in and we talk to each other. We've gone in and out. You know, he's, he's annoyed me. I've annoyed him. And, you know, we, we generally find a level uh, at which we engage. But uh, I invited him up to talk a little bit about the, the new edition of, uh, of the comic Minimum Wage, which is Bob's comic. It's from Image Comics. And I'm in it. So that, that was my, my drive. How am I not going to talk to Bob about a comic book that he, he so diligently did his homework to put me in? He researched uh, how I was talking, what I was looking like at that time. You can check it out. You can check out the book. But this is my conversation with, uh, with Bob Fingerman in New York City. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Pick up that mic, Fingerman. I will pick up this mic. There you go. See, how's that feel? Pretty good? Oh. Right? So this is it. Minimum wage is back. After how many years hiatus? 15. That's crazy. That is crazy. And now... now and one, one more year on hiatus and it could have gotten a driver's license. Yeah, or you don't, or yeah. Well, it's like your kid. It's kind of like your kid. You don't have a kid. Oh, this is so much better than having a kid. Yeah. (laughs) If there's one thing I think you and I can high five on, it's the the decision to not have a kid. Yeah, I mean, I never know. There's always the outside chance that uh, that it'll happen. Well, that's true. Yeah, I I I, I surgically took care of that. Really, (laughs) best money. Well, yeah. I mean, think of it this way: you you can either always have that slight fretfulness every time you're being intimate, saying. 
is this the time? Is this the time? Or you just say, you know, teeny, I can do whatever I teeny, want. Teeny tiny. At this point, it's non-surgical. You're listening to vasectomy talk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it. You know, I have some friends. I think a lot of guys get very squeamish about it. Yeah. And I mean, I have a friend who did it in the '70s. He's a, an older friend. And that's like the old days where it was like, they're just going to yank all your stuff out. And it was horrific. Really? Yeah. Horrific. Now it's this, they call it non-incision. The incision's so tiny, there's no blood. There's nothing. It's like... Really? It's, it's like an elf. You can just sterilize yourself like that? Well, not yourself. You you, you go to a highly skilled professional, but... Right. Uh, well, that's what I mean, but, that, but, it's, not, but yeah. it's not painful. Well, I yeah. don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to do that. I'm still rolling the dice, man. Uh, this is the only area where I get evangelical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna testify and yeah. say, free yourself, liberate yourself, brother. The the idea of the responsibility at this age is a little much. But your baby, minimum wage comic. So now the characters are old. No, they're still young. The last series was taking place when I was doing it, which was when I did the original run was in the ni- mid '90s, right. I didn't want to, when I came back to it 15 years later, make it 15 years later, because I didn't want to do middle-aged Rob. I wanted to do still young Rob. Yeah, you know? this, this, oh, so this is your midlife crisis. That's what this is. Um, well, it's his, it's his pre-midlife crisis. No, but you're instead of uh, what you don't think is necessarily uh, a great comic fodder. Oh, it wouldn't be. My life now would not be good comic fodder because I'm actually happy. <laughs> so, right. you know, writing about, writing about, I mean, in, in the comic, uh, Rob is freshly divorced at 25, which is something I was. I was freshly divorced right. at 25. So, yeah. you know, my feeling is if the character ever actually achieves a, say, a state of uh, satisfaction, who wants to read about that? Right. I, I guess so. I, I don't know. I, I, I was just reviewing the times and the guy uh, for the, for the, uh, Brooklyn Opera House show, and, uh-huh. the, and the guy thought that it, I'd do okay happy. He was, it was, you know, he was surprised, but I was funny happy. Oh, you can be funny happy, yeah. but, but nobody wants to read about a character who's happy. No, there has to be some, some hammer has to come down. And besides, now I get to do, it's like the many, what was it called? The many loves of Dobie Gillis. I get yeah. to do the, the many failed, fucked up, you know, dating uh, well, rituals I, of my character. Well, that's what I mean. This is your, your midwife sort of uh, adventure is writing about your past. I suppose so. Yeah. <laughs> And how how do I factor in? Well, you factor in as as uh, someone uh, my character much admires. Uh huh. I can say he and I share. You know, we both share an affinity for comedy, and and he uh, responds to the uh, earthy honesty of your right. comedy. Well, the, but isn't it, isn't the story? Doesn't a friend take you to a comedy place? Or uh, it, well, one of the failed girlfriends. Yeah, he he's dating uh, this Ayn Rand quoting tarot obsessed libertarian goth girl. <laughs> And he he takes her to see again when you're playing with mixing fact and fiction. Yeah, uh, you and I met when you were breaking in Jerusalem Syndrome. Yeah, but I remember, but at a certain point in that show where I was laughing louder than I think pretty much anyone else, Michelle kept. I could, at a certain point you can feel when someone's looking at you more than at the performer, mm-hmm. and I could feel Michelle kept looking at me throughout that show. And she, at a certain point when the show was over, she said, you can't be friends with Mark. I said, why? And she said, you have too much in common. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, That's always a problem. <laughs> she's like, you're, you're too similar. So, yeah. So there you go. Right. But I like, I like being, I like the, uh, that you, you researched and you asked me for transcripts of things. And so you, like you're, you're, 
your your version of me is pretty spot on. I was desperately hoping you were going to have issues with it just so that I could say the script was punched up by Mark. But uh. oh, damn it! <laughs> There's me and that we're driving in your car. Yeah. Did I drive you around? Yeah. Yeah. There's a tell in Todd Barry. Yep. Ah, uh, it's star studded. For comedy, nerds I remember everywhere. you. You were kind of chubbier and like you know a, I, a little more intense. I was. I don't remember that haircut, so that's a little different. I never had that. Yeah, that's that's the character's haircut. Who could spout a fountain of hair like that? Not you me. got me pretty good. Almost. So you sort of kind of walked through a bit of the beginning of alternative comedy there. Yeah. Of uh, you know whatever that was, but you didn't. That Luna's not in there because that was before. No. Yeah. No. No Luna. No Twinkle. None of those. Uh, yeah, I, I missed that. I missed Twinkle. And I, I I wasn't here for that. Yeah, I kind of left. So what what have you been? So what does a, com- a a comic book artist do in hiatus? What have you been doing for fifteen years? Uh, well, I did a bunch more comics. But I mean, you did the books. The books I did came books. out. Yeah, I wrote Those novels. Nice. I wrote a bunch but, of novels. But minimum wage came out in a hardback hardback bound hardback version. Yeah. You know, I talked to Robert Kirkman. You know, the comic book guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we go way back. Do you? He used to send me fan mail. That's that's how how much uh, the you know how Ted much tables, the tables are, have turned. You should be you should be writing about zombies, not me. Uh, well, yeah, maybe so. Yeah, you you too. I human. wrote a zombie novel for goodness sake, which you, he which he very kindly blurbed. That's nice. You're too human. Yeah, but uh, he used to send me fan mail back. I think when he worked in a light bulb warehouse. Yeah, he worked <laughs> so, at a lighting place. He told yeah. me about that. Well, that's sweet. So the hope is that maybe you're uh, going to get a TV thing happening with this this uh, cast of characters? I hope so. I mean, you know, we gave it a run back when I was doing the first run in the 90s, but there was nothing like it on TV. There was just, uh, there, and, you know, now I think there's things that actually tonally have a lot in common with it. So well, I think that it's, in- I think it would be interesting if you could set it in that time. Yeah, that might be a sticking point. I think anytime, even if you're, making a period piece that's only in the year 2000 yeah cost goes up so but we'll right, see just i don't want to by virtue of costuming and costuming yeah oh is that guy using the right cell phone you know yeah i like that though you I don't like, think you could do it i like well you know i'll put it to you this way i'm gonna leave that to uh network execs <laughs> really <laughs> but it's not gonna be a deal breaker if they say uh-huh. can you set it now i'll say yes i have i absolutely can but wouldn't the struggles be a little different the struggles would be different, but the thing is, there would always be struggles. So the idea would be just to have uh, you know young adults scrambling to put themselves together and figure out their way in the world. Right. I think the only so, thing I'd, I'd really have trouble with if I made a contemporary would be, do they have to be millennials? Because they would be, just by virtue of their youth. Maybe you should fight for your vision, Bob. Well, let's get that. <laughs> you are correct. You are correct, sir. All right. I can already start to be difficult even before the meetings. Tell them you want it to be in 1999. Party like it's 1999, yes. I think that'd be the whole catch to it. Now I'm fucking you up. Now I'm like, now I'm, uh, you're, you're going to be mad at me. How fucked is it that 2000 is nostalgic? It's weird, right? It's super, it keeps getting closer. It's I mean, pretty weird. soon last week will be nostalgic, which it sort of is. Yeah, I mean, I don't there. know if VH1's already done a week of remember the t- <laughs> remember 2000. Said, remember but- last week? <sighs> Um, all right, buddy. So this is the third season. Second this is season. the second season. Second season featuring Mark Maron. Cameos yes. by Todd Berry and David Tell. Absolutely. What's the guy's name again? Rob Hoffman. Rob Hoffman. Bob Fingerman. All right, buddy. Well, where can people get them? Uh, at uh, their local comic book shop, or they can get the trade paperback off Amazon or any 
respectable or semi-respectable. I wrote, I wrote the foreword to the trade paperback. You wrote you wrote the foreword for for from the ashes. From the ashes. Damn it, man! You did too prolific. I'm doing my best. Thanks, man. Thank you. So I'm in a comic, and that was Bob Fingerman. That's uh, that's exciting. It's exciting. Um, Robert Kirkman, The Walking Dead. I don't know that I would have watched The Walking Dead or read The Walking Dead if it weren't for my ex-girlfriend. And, uh, and, I, and, and look, zombies are great. How many zombies and how much zombie can we take as a culture? Time will tell, but it doesn't seem like the zombies are slowing down anytime soon. Okay, so we're going to go to the garage now for my interview with Robert Kirkman, uh, but you should know that this is, a, this is before he was scheduled to have throat surgery, and he, he's had throat surgery was nothing too serious, but it did cause him to miss Comic-Con. So, well, that's that's kind of serious that he missed Comic-Con, but I'm, what I'm saying is that the problem wasn't too serious, and he's on the mend. So you're going to hear now the pre, uh, pre-surgery pre voice of Robert Kirkman. And uh, he's a humble guy, and he's a good dude, and, and I enjoy talking to him. Let's uh, go now to the, to the garage at the Cat Ranch in the hills of Highland Park to my conversation with uh, Robert Kirkman, the creator of The Walking Dead, along with artist Tony Moore. Don't want to leave Tony out. You protected your house. Protected, I, I think I have, but now I feel like talking about it on a podcast, it's, it's a challenge. But uh, when I was younger, uh, I was doing comics out of my house in Kentucky, and uh, a guy just showed up at my door one day yeah. and wanted to show me his uh, his comic book art yeah. in the hopes that I would hire sure. him. And, uh, you know, I was very nice to him. I mean, it's, it's a pretty bold thing. I respect that. Yeah. But at the same time, I think I had ketchup on my shirt and I was eating hot dogs for lunch. <laughs> and I was like, this is the weirdest thing in the world. So, I don't know, I'm always worried but, about people, but, uh, people coming to my house and uh, stealing my children. <laughs> yeah, that's a concern. It's weird. It's, it's, uh, you have to judge how someone's approaching you. I, I mean, I always have that moment where you're like, is this, is this going to be the last encounter that I have? Is, <laughs> is, is this going to be do, my... I do Comic-Con every year. Yeah. And uh, Comic-Con is amazing. People always ask about Comic-Con and what's the weird thing that happened to you or what, what's the weirdest person you've seen? Yeah. That kind of offends me a little bit yeah. because, I, you know, I kind of think Comic-Con is a little magical just because it's like, it's 200 people in the convention center, but it's 500,000 people in that area of San Diego. It's crazy. And it's like very mellow, very peaceful. It's crowded. Yeah. But like, there's like a little bit of camaraderie and everybody's yeah. nice. But me and all my comic book professional buddies sit around and talk about like, when are we going to get stabbed? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. when is that going to happen? Yeah. And there was this guy that uh, came in my line, like after he had had one of those conversations and he said, uh, hey man, I, I brought you something. And he like reached down into his bag and he never broke eye contact. Uh, so he was like leaning down, looking yeah. at me with his hand, like yeah. in his backpack. And I was like grabbing the table. This so is I was it. like, I'm going to throw this table at him if he pulls out a gun. <laughs> and then am I going to run? He's going to shoot people. Yeah. I don't want to George Costanza myself out of here and have people get <laughs> shot. But all these thoughts are just running through my head. And then he had like a, like a button or yeah. something he was sure. giving me. And I was but like, oh, thanks. But for a minute I was terrified. Just it's, absolutely terrified. But, but that's a weird moment because I've gone through that too where you're like, I can't, I'm going to have to take the hit somehow. Like, I, <laughs> do you, you know what I mean? Because you don't want to look bad. Yeah, you don't, you, like, I really don't want to get shot, but 
but yeah. if people think I'm a hero, that'd be kind of cool. Right. I don't want to look like a puss. Yeah. You know, just sort of like preemptively go, no! And the guy's just sort of like, here's a comic I want you to sign. Yeah. yeah. I, I have I've had that happen. I had a guy attack me on stage. Really? Well, he just, he didn't seem to know that it was happening to him. Like oh. he was possessed by something. I okay. pushed a button and, you know, and, and, and he reacted. And then when I'm looking at him, and he's in my space, and we're in front of people, I'm like, I'm going to have to take the hit, because I'd look terrible if I, <laughs> if I just started running. Oh, interesting. Like, I never, it never crosses my mind that I could win or kick their ass. Yeah, yeah. Like, you didn't think in that moment, like, I could take him out. No. You had the no. table plan. I was like, where's the, what, what, what level of death am I going to experience here? Like, is there, is, can I make this survivable? Uh, but no, the stand-up thing must be difficult, because- you know, you get so personal it's and you're saying things. That yeah. I, I, you know, working on Walking Dead and, and all of my writing, the thing that I like to think about the most is yeah. the fact that we we never really see the same things that right. everybody else is seeing and we never really hear the same things that everybody else is hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I could say something to you and you could completely, you know, misconstrue it and, and misunderstand it. Not because you're like not following me or whatever, just because that's who you are and that's what sure. you're thinking about. You at bring that time. something to it. And the stand up thing, like just, you know, you're just cracking jokes. And yeah. The next thing you know, somebody takes it completely personally. Like, oh, yeah. That's terrifying. But I imagine that uh, people project. I think part of uh, people's reaction to anything you create is projection. They're having their own relationship with the thing. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, it's all open to misinterpretation, but you do have a couple steps in between you, the person. Yes. And the guy who's going like, that. that's about me. <laughs> yeah, I'm in my cave, yeah. safe, working on the next one while they're wanting to murder me. So you grew up in Kentucky? I did, yeah. And in what what part? I don't know nothing about Kentucky. Uh, yeah, there's you know there's there's a lot to know. It's a cool place, but it is still Kentucky. It's it's a little it's a little quaint. I've learned not um, to uh, condescend the uh, the American South. I enjoy it more and more every time I go there. It's it's a it's a wonderful place that uh, produces wonderful people, but uh, great people come from everywhere. And sure, me moving from Kentucky to LA, I'm always uh, a little annoyed when people are like, "How did you do it? Right? Are you okay?" <laughs> Do you need help? Well, yeah, right. Did something happen to your mind? Yeah, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. The roads are wider. Yeah, and there's more people. Yeah, like, and okay. I don't see a lot of horses. Right. I don't know. Like, but the roads are wider, but you're not moving much on them. That's so true. How do you drive on those streets? And it's like, well, you're mostly parking. You know? <laughs> yeah, very slowly, uh, very but, slowly. But I, I'm from I'm from Lexington, which mm-hmm. is uh, the, it's like the second biggest city. Lexington. In, yeah, I kind of yeah. know Lexington. I was there once. Uh, my buddy got married on a horse farm. Oh, uh, years ago, he married a woman who comes from horses or something. A lot of horses there, right? A lot of horses. Yeah, a lot of horses. Like uh, thoroughbred. There's horse breeding. Yeah, I mean, there's like sections where there's all the expensive farms that do the you know Kentucky Derby horses. Oh. But then you're just driving, and it's like, hey, there's a guy over there. He's got twelve horses. Just ho- everyone's so got like, horses. Eh, not everyone, but a lot. Did you have horses? No. Did you ride horses? No. Never. I've Did never, you resent I've never horses? Fired a gun. <laughs> I've never seen a horse race. Uh, I don't like uh, University of Kentucky basketball. Right. I'm almost not from Kentucky. What well, well, what kind of work were your were your folks in? Uh, my mother was a homemaker. My father uh, was a, uh, a sheet metal fabricator. So he would uh, he was like a welder. Yeah, and uh, he made duct work. 
and cool stuff like that. And he, uh, he the owns tubes, his own. the giant uh, tubes, the the duct. Tube. Yeah, 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 for like air conditioning. Yeah, yeah, and, or helmets. But he made all kinds of stuff. So I when mean, you're a kid, just put that that joint. You know, the I had. You ever put one of those on the elbow of a duct on your head? And, it sounds dangerous. Well, it's a little dangerous, but you know, like, and I rarely have sci-fi fantasies of any kind. I don't. I'm not a sci-fi guy. So but, the duct bends around your head, and you're looking out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a big that. duct. It was a big duct, and I was on mushrooms, and it was in college, and we were in a basement. It's a long as, story. As you do. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. Look, they're working on something, <laughs> but this could be anything. And I put it on my head, and I was a spaceman. So that's my experience with science fiction right there. <laughs> what? Uh, so Good experience. You, when did you start uh, doing the, the comics? I mean, I was probably, uh, I think it was in seventh grade. I started uh, started reading them. What did you, you read? What were the ones? Mostly Marvel stuff. Uh, I was, uh, you You're know, talking to a guy that was very little. I'm oh, talking. Yeah. I want. I want to. I so, so you know, mostly Marvel stuff. Uh, Spider Man, X Men. I know things those. like that. Sure, I know those. Um, yeah. The the only way I was allowed, the only way I was capable of buying comics when I started reading comics was at Walmart. Yeah. So because I was in a small town and there weren't like comic shops around or anything like that, and uh, Walmart only sold Marvel comics. That was so the deal. Yeah. So there's like Marvel, which is like your X Men, Spider Man, stuff like right. that, and then there's DC, which is Superman, Superman. Batman, you all mean, that. So you were not involved in DC universe at all. Yeah. I was like, as a kid, I was like, nah, I don't really care for those guys because uh, <laughs> I don't have access to those comics. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't anything personal. But uh, you were you were you were alienated from an entire universe because of Walmart's uh, pretty much commitment pretty to Marvel. Much. All of the ills that Walmart does to this world. Yeah, denied you the DC universe. That's the highest one on my list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not carrying <laughs> a breadth of comics. The yeah. minimum wage, uh, you know, yeah. the people on uh, yeah, yeah. welfare working for them, eh, you know, that's bad and all, but uh, I would have liked to have read Batman as yeah. a kid. Where was Superman for me? Exactly. <laughs> Superman didn't come to my house. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, mostly that stuff, mostly the superhero stuff. And then as I got older, you know, I got a driver's license. I was able to go, you know, actually find a comic shop. And that's when I got into, you know, more of the independent stuff and, you know, things like Image Comics, which is yeah. where I do my books now. Right. Just stuff that was, you know, independently owned and a little bit uh, less commercial and cooler. Yeah. Well, I came into comics like I very late, like uh, I didn't grow up reading them. But at, when I was in my, jeez, man, 89, 63, 73, 83, like in my late 20s, early 30s, somehow or another, I got into Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, right? Good stuff. Right. And then I got turned on to that guy. And then I started reading Hellblazer and Sandman from the first issues. And then I, I entered there. And then I started to sort of do uh, some comics around that stuff and then some a lot of independent comics. But those are really the only two mainstream comics I got into and the Swamp Thing. For some reason, Swamp Thing was... Uh, I don't know why it resonated so much with me. It's creepy. It's good stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like that character out of all of them. Like I could have at that age gone into superheroes, but I like the like I like the way Swampy looked. I like the whole the whole angle of this. Well, I think the cool thing there is that you know you're in your mid twenties or yeah. so, and and you read uh, a lot of people. I feel think of comics and they go, oh, it's superheroes. It's right. uh, you know it's guys in underwear busting yeah. you know, holes in walls and you know fighting planets, but. Uh, you know, it's it's a, it's an entertainment medium, mm-hmm. and you probably didn't go into the superhero stuff because you weren't fifteen or fourteen right. or whatever. And- Watchmen, I, I read that too. Yeah, Someone yeah. gave me that, and I, yeah, I got a couple boxes. But but, uh, but but I think the cool thing about comics is that there's there's stuff out there for everybody. Like, yeah, I think anyone out there who's like, uh, I'd never read a comic book. Like, there's totally a comic out there for you that you would find like it'd be the coolest thing you've ever read. I wonder if some people can't sort of process how like because like 
when you read comics and you see the panels, like if you have a brain that just does it, like somehow resonates, it just connects like that, the words and pictures. I wonder if there's people out there that are like, nah, they're just like boxes. With, well, like, there is a, uh, I have a buddy that uh, is smarter than me. And so uh, he said, uh, like you, you process words with one part of your brain, yeah. you process pictures with another part of yeah. your brain and sound. And so when you're watching a movie, you're using a, a part of your brain. And if you're, you know, reading a book, you're reading a part of your brain and comics is really the only medium where those two parts of your brain have to work in tandem because right. you're processing oh, yeah. pictures and words. Oh yeah. And so some people like that sensation and some people don't. Well, I, I when I do it, I, I, I don't know how much I notice things. Like I'll read, you know, quickly sometimes because I want to get to the next thing, but I don't study the panels that much. Well, that's one of my favorite things about the medium Yeah, is because it's the only storytelling medium really where your experience is really really dictated by how you read it yeah uh you're as a reader really in control of you know pacing and the way the dialogue is read and just you know the the all kinds of different things that factor in you know when you're reading a novel you know you read the words and you only get the picture of what's happening as you read yeah. the words and you know everything is controlled with yeah. television and movies but you know i can read a comic and you can read a comic and we can talk about it afterwards and get a completely different experience yeah you know from it which I is Kind of awesome. It is awesome, and also you you know if you want to focus in on faces or like little nuances of uh, movement and expression, because a lot of st- a lot of times that shit just uh, blows by me until I go back and look at it. Yeah, I know a lot of people do that. They'll they read, do. They'll read it once real quick. In yeah, like three minutes. And yeah, they'll go back and be like, "Oh, that was pretty cool. I didn't notice yeah. that." Yeah, 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 so. yeah. Because you want to get to the story. Yeah. So all right, so you're sitting around now. Are you you got brothers and sisters? I have a brother and a sister. Yeah, older. Uh, younger. Oh, really? Yeah, my, so, yeah. My wife and I both have siblings that are uh, much younger than us. Much younger. Yeah. So uh, my my brother my brother is five years younger than me. My sister is eleven years younger than me. Oh my god! I'm so, not good with numbers. And then my wife has a brother that is eleven years younger, and a sister that's like fourteen years younger. So, so you you only had a, like a how's the did you have a relationship with them growing up? Kinda or I mean I I feel like I have a pretty good relationship with my siblings, but yeah. there is definitely a distance there because yeah. I was so much older than them. When, right. I mean, my brother's only five years younger than me, but uh, one of the big things was uh, when I was when I graduated high school, I didn't go to college, and my parents came to me the the year I was graduating from high school, and they were like, "Hey, so uh, we're moving to Florida, and uh, you can come with us if you want." Or you've got a year to uh, get a job and uh, move out, and uh, you can stay in Kentucky if you want. Yeah. So just wanted to give you a heads up. And, <laughs> We're taking off. Yeah. And I had a girlfriend at the time, and had lived in Kentucky my whole life, and I had gone to Florida because that's where our family was from, what grandparents part? and stuff. Uh, I, I call it uh, Alabama, Florida. Yeah. It's like the, the, the central. Oh, yeah. central. Uh, like north of Tampa. I call it Alabama, Florida, affectionately. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, you know Bigfoot Sure. Trucks and yeah, well, no, rebel but, flags. And... Florida is a, Florida's a very rich uh, in yeah. its- A lot uh, of people picture like Miami and nah, beaches nah. and- It's culturally like... eccentric is <laughs> yes. I think a diplomatic way to say yes, it. it <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I, I got a job and like moved out. What and was so your job? I, I, I worked at a, uh, a lighting place. So they sold uh, light bulbs and light fixtures and so just wiring a job. for houses. You yeah. weren't invested in it. <laughs> no, no <You> I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, I started uh, publishing comics at the same time. This is right after high school? Yeah, I was like 20. Yeah. And so uh, I had a, I had worked my way up at the uh, lighting place until I was a purchasing agent, mm-hmm. which meant you looked at a list of items 
and you looked at a list of how fast those items sold and you did the math yeah. on how quickly they were going to sell out and then you ordered new stuff. Yeah. And so it was a pretty simple job. And so I basically would just like run up long distance bills, talking to the printer in Canada, like doing my <laughs> comic stuff. Yeah. I really should pay that company back the money I technically stole from them. On by, the phone? But yeah, I'm just, you know, I, I mean, I did a lot of work yeah. on the publishing company in my office at, well, at Kentucky Lighting and Supply. <laughs> if you are in Kentucky and you need light fixtures or anything, please go to Kentucky Lighting and Supply. They have the best customer service, excellent products, and I owe them. Oh, there you go. Well, I think you just made your made your uh, amends. You paid your debt. Great. Well, it sounds like it wasn't that challenging a job. It gave you some time. Yeah, it was all right. It was yeah. all right. Yeah, but, but yeah. So, so you I, were moving. You in an apartment with your, your girlfriend, or rented a house, or what? I, I actually, I actually bought a house. Really? Because uh, houses are very cheap in Kentucky. So I bought a from uh, lighting money. No, well, I, I, yeah, I worked there for a year and saved up like a down payment of like five grand, wow. and then I, and then I bought a fifty-five thousand dollar house. And then how big of a house is that? It was a uh, one thousand square feet. So yeah, so not, like a so one bad. bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you said you well, still... two. It was two little bedrooms. Oh, do you so, still yeah. have that house? No, no, no. <laughs> but you... I created Walking Dead in that house. You so, did, yeah. When you were younger, were comics? Did they uh, did they function as a salvation for you? Were you socially kind of like awkward and like disengaged from the rest of reality? <laughs> I mean, sure, of course, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, like but, what, who were you in high school? Where where did you were you uh, what were you doing? Well, I mean, I you know I had long hair and I listened to Nirvana and right. you know stuff like that. I mean, so you weren't 90s. socially uh, you weren't uh, like, I wasn't uh, completely socially inept. Yeah. I had friends and stuff, but I lived really far out in the country, and so when I wasn't at school, I didn't really have access to other people. And you you didn't shoot a gun. And I never shot a gun. No. Really? And not one of your friends was like, let's go shoot my dad's gun. No, I mean, I, I as a child, I think my great strength was that my parents would say, uh, don't do this. It's dangerous. Yeah. And in my head, I would say, I'm not going to do that because it's dangerous. And, and then didn't. I would never do it. So, so yeah, if a friend of mine was like, hey, I got a gun. You want to go shoot it? I'd be like, I'm going to go home now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Scary. Scary gun. Pretty much. So, but yeah, it's the country and Kentucky. I mean, I grew up in New Mexico, which is not exactly rural, but you know, what were you out doing? Knocking mailboxes <laughs> off reading, with a I bat? Reading, I was reading comics. You weren't, but no destruction, no going out into the world and taking that uh, that nerd anger out on, <laughs> no. on inanimate objects? No, 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 no. I was a completely boring kid. No. I mean, I would play basketball terribly. There was like a church down the street out yeah. in the country that had a basketball hoop. And yeah. so you could go there and get picked on by older kids. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I want to go <laughs> play basketball and have fun. But there's a kid there that's going to show up at some point. If I'm there for 45 minutes at some point during that time period, he's going to come there and he's going to be mean to me. So I don't know. Well, I got to weigh my options here. I think I'll just read X-Men again. Yeah, yeah. Why? Well, maybe I'll just read X-Men at the basketball court and then you really take some shit. But uh, so, okay. So you start drawing comics, reading them in seventh grade. When do you start noodling or doodling? Well, I mean, I, I you know, you... Any comic book reader that you know likes to draw is going to be copying, sure. you know, the, like copying stuff exactly and being like, "Hey, I'm a good artist." I looked at this guy's thing and I tried to recreate every line exactly. That's art, right? I, I actually strive to be a comic book artist, uh, you know, very early on, and then I realized that I wasn't very. You don't good. have the chops, so yeah, yeah. But I, like, I act well. So you know, just reading comics. I ended up working at a comic shop. You know, after I'd worked there for a while, uh, you know, the guy, this guy I met in seventh grade, who. Uh, Tony Moore? Yeah. 
uh, worked on Walking Dead and you know did a bunch of stuff with me. No, I, I early got, on. Yeah, he sent me some stuff. Yeah, I think he, he did some like drawings for you. Yeah, yeah, he did for, for the, the for the IFC show. They were great. Yeah, yeah. So you met him in seventh grade. Yeah, I met him in seventh grade. And I met my wife in seventh grade. So the wife you're with. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 loyalty. It's pretty weird. Way. But so so you and Tony would read comics together and go to the comic book store together and that. Yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. yeah. And we and we you know we always wanted to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then after high school, uh, you know, we kept in touch, but we didn't really see each other all that often. Uh, and uh, but so I wanted to like do comics. You wanted to draw, and I knew he was really good. But the but he was like still in college and like doing stuff. You didn't go to college. Yeah. Didn't go to college. But I'm, was he drawing? I'm an idiot. Yeah, he was. You know, going yeah. to art college and oh, doing really? all that kind of stuff. And so uh, I mean, we would see each other frequently, but it's not like we were like hanging out doing comics all the yeah. time. And so I, basically, the first comic I did, I tried to draw myself. Yeah. And uh, and <laughs> it didn't work. Which comic was that? Did he? Well, it was it was a, it was a wrestling comic book called Between the Ropes. Uh huh. And uh, and it was it was horribly drawn. What was the angle? The angle was, uh, no one ever does a comic about wrestlers' lives outside of the ring. Right. And so it was about them, like, reading scripts and discussing who's going to win and, you know, like, all the politics that was yeah, going yeah. behind the scenes. Were you a big wrestling fan? I wasn't, but wrestling was very popular at the time. Uh-huh. And so I liked wrestling as a kid, but I'd kind of fallen out of it. And, uh, you know, it, coming out and, like, doing comics, I wanted to do something that would, like, you know, have an audience or, you know, get my foot in the door. And so I was just striving to like, make sure that, you know, it was interesting to me, like going through and doing the behind the scenes stuff, but it was basically a blatant, like, Hey, wrestling's really popular okay. and, uh, and I can do this and maybe, latch on. maybe wrestling fans will buy this because yeah. there were a lot of wrestling comics at the time, but they would basically take the undertaker and turn him into a superhero. Right. And it was like, there's no wrestling in that comic. I don't right. know why. There's no humanness. Yeah, it's like I don't yeah. know why people that enjoy wrestling would like, yeah. necessarily read that comic. And so that was my angle. But I drew it, and it was horrible. And I submitted it to our distributor, and uh, they sent this nice letter back that was like, uh, we, we've, we have deemed, our, our committee has deemed that this book is not of professional quality. Hmm. And, uh, and I got that letter, and I was... I was it's probably the most devastated I've been in my career. Like so I, was, see, I was pretty upset. So you're working at the comic book store, and you sent it to the the distributor that you were dealing with. Yeah, yeah, that's how I learned the ins and outs of like where comics come you, you from, just, how babies you, are made. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you just sent it to the distributor. Well, that's how you do it. You 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 know you make a product and you send it to the distributor, and they'll decide whether or not they'll distribute it. But so that you your plan was to hand publish to self publish. Yeah. yeah. Like a certain number of copies. Yeah. So you would take care of the printing and everything else. Yeah. And that's, oh, so that's what you learned at the store was that like, you don't need to be Marvel. You don't need to be, you could, why not? If you, yeah, if, I mean, it was the nuts and bolts of it were kind of insane. I mean, I don't want to get too inside baseball, but well, you, do could, it. you could basically take like 1200 bucks and like the company that I worked at Kentucky Lighting and Supply really loved having their employees, uh, have a reason to keep working for them. Yeah. So they would give you small loans. Okay. And so I could go to them and be like, can you loan me 1200 bucks? I got to print this comic. Did you they, do that? Yeah. And they would be like, sure, here you go. You Which can pay comic? us back in a year. Uh, that's when I started. As soon as Between the Ropes was turned down, that's when I went to Tony Moore and we did Battle Pope. Yeah, Battle Pope. That's the uh, the the fallen Pope yes. superhero. Yeah. yeah. That's my first published comic. Uh, again, good. I was like, hey, you know what? Uh no one cares about me. No one cares about Tony. No one has to read a book by us. Yeah. I need to do something that's going to get noticed. Right. I need to do something. And I felt like, you know, I, if I heard about a book called Battle Pope, 
I would want to know more about it. Yeah. So so that was my angle. So you guys, you storyline, do you storyboarded it? Is that what you do? Or how do you work? How does the process work? You, Battle with Pope you was Tony? weird because I didn't even know how to how to write. You know. Yeah. Because uh, I didn't write scripts. I basically drew the pages. So and, you made like a, storyboards. Yeah I, yeah, I drew layouts in like a really terrible form, and then I gave those to Tony, and he would like turn them into comic book pages. Okay, but you wrote the the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I would basically like draw the comic, write the word balloons, and then give that to him, and he would draw a better version of the comic, and then I'd make better versions of the word balloons, and then publish it. And were you guys having fun? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So how many did you do before you... with the, How many did you make with the 1,200? Just the first one? Yeah, you just do one. And, and the way that would work is I would borrow the... the I mean, it was kind of easy because the distributor would tell you how many books were pre-sold before you made them. Uh-huh. So I could go, okay, they ordered 800 copies. 800 copies is going to make me $1,300. It's going to cost me $1,200 to print 2,000 copies, and you can't really print lower than that. So I'd borrow $1,200, give it to the printer. They'd print it. The distributor would send me $1,300. I'd pay the loan off. I have $100. And you and Tony had 50 bucks a piece. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a job, and Tony was, like, working at college. So in the early days, most of the time, I would just give him, because, you know, drawing the book was a lot more difficult than what I was doing, so I would just give him the money. <laughs> that was nice of you. It was 100 bucks. <laughs> so now, how many of those did you do? We ended up doing, I think, like, I don't even remember now. I feel terrible, 12 or 13. And they sold? I mean, it was actually, you know, pretty good. I mean, the average book in the back of that catalog would sell, I want to say, 600 copies or 800 copies. In the back of what catalog? Uh, the big distributor's catalog. There's only one distributor in comics. Yeah. So in comics, everybody knows the distributor in the catalog. It's it's one place. What's it called? Uh, Diamond Comic Distributors. And they're it. Fantastic company. I have to say that because they're the only show in town. <laughs> but uh, they actually are pretty good. And they'll take anything that they deem that they can sell. Right. So any so they distribute Marvel's books, right. Images books, all the big companies, all the little companies, people that are making comics out of their basement. Now, but, by the how old are you? You're younger than me. I'm 36. Younger. So like because like it seems to me that there was a time where where comics sort of took a turn, and it's in our lifetime where yeah. like they were kind of a not a dead medium, but not a huge medium, and then all of a sudden now they dictate contemporary culture exclusively. It's pretty nice. <laughs> It's, it's good for someone in my position. Do you do you have any sense of when that happened? I mean, uh, uh, does it, do you think about that? I mean, I don't know. I think it's a lot of things, but I think that historically, comic book adaptations had always been a movie studio or a television studio or somebody, yeah, like the seventies Incredible Hulk or sure, you know, the right Superman, Batman movies, stuff like that, um, where they would say, yeah, 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 here's this stupid comic. Now I'm going to get a real screenwriter in here and a real director and great actors, and we're going to make a great movie that, you know, kind of does something with that comic, but we're going to make it better because that comic is a piece of shit, Yeah. and we don't respect it. And I think somewhere in the late 90s or so, when like Brian Singer made the X-Men and Sam Raimi made Spider-Man, there were actually people that had an affinity for these characters and an affinity for the origins and like actually liked comics and respected it as a medium and actually started like adapting the comics and not... 100% accurate ways and they're definitely shortcomings here and there yeah like but, what oh well, I'm not, you know like I don't know yeah like, what's your beef you don't need to give an X-Men whatever no I'm no not I want to hear it just tell me just tell, you like, don't need to put the X-Men in leather suits okay. uh, you know I don't right. know there's certain things about those movies <laughs> what, that, what kind of suits would they should, uh, whatever I, you know you, I, I, 
I'm not on this podcast to reveal how much of a nerd I am. No, I. Yes, what are you, you doing? Are. Uh, no, I don't know. Look, you obviously can't do spandex. It's going to look ridiculous. Right. But something in know, between. A little bit of color in there. You yeah. don't need everybody looking like a ninja. But uh, that's just me. Hey, we're the X Men. We all look the same. You know, like those those. Everybody loves those uh, Richard Donner Superman movies. Yeah. But he takes the emblem off his chest and he uses it like a throwing star. Like, what are you doing? He, yeah, it's like, why Why did that just happen? And I think that everybody that loves those movies, they're like, yeah, 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 that part was terrible, but everything else around it was great. And right. it's like, no, not really. There's like a part where he's flying with Lois and there's this horrible poem going on in her head yeah, yeah. and they're not talking. Yeah. And it's like, are they speaking telepathically? Like, I don't know. It's just real terrible. And then the end of the first movie, which there's so many people that are like, oh, best super movie of all time. First Superman movie. Yeah. It's not. It's it's garbage. It's absolute garbage. Uh this Superman flies backwards around the Earth yeah. and changes its rotation, yeah. and and it, and time reverses. It doesn't like, even make sense. It's the, <laughs> it's the dumbest thing ever. And the thing is, is like they're like, yeah, it's comic book. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but it's not possible. And that's what you you don't have to do that. So you have a problem with the logic because because it doesn't even follow the logic of the story, the comic book. Right. And look, Superman comics from like the 30s and 40s, like he would eat a pill and have a lion head for an for an issue yeah you know and it's like oh, i gotta get rid of this lion head you know like they were pretty ridiculous but yeah, i would rather see that when you like you couldn't argue with that i really they, would if they took a story from the old ones where yeah. he takes a pill and he's got a lion's head that's the whole story how do i get rid of this lion's head you couldn't argue with it i, oh, I want to see Zack snyder do that with the with the, the the superman movie that happens after superman versus batman i want that to be Super, uh, henry henry cavill uh, takes a pill and he's got a lion head for the movie and it's just him hanging out with Lois trying not to bite her going yeah. eh how do I get rid of this lion head and no nerd could argue with him it's I, like that's the story oh, this is the so original good. story it'd be so good well I like I, I wish that I was uh, I don't know if it's time or, or what I think if I if I like sat down and watched those movies they're I mean they're compelling you know and I loved um, I loved uh, um, the Hellblazer stuff you know I guess superheroes weren't really my bag but John Constantine was kind of a superhero in his weird way yeah I mean that's I mean that that kind of goes back to my point of like, there's so much yeah. in comics that I people aren't really movie. recognizing. Like Road to Perdition, Ghost World, mm -hmm. Constantine. These are comic book movies. They're sure. not superhero movies. Well, you know Robert uh, Williams, the artist, the painter. Do you know his stuff? He, you know, he sort of makes an argument that you know comics are the most popular art form and have been since ancient Egypt. Like he'll go huh. go back to you know the uh, hieroglyphics. It's like just comics, you know, that pictorial representation in a very basic way is more is more art wise has been around communicating to people since the beginning of communication to sort of justify the language of pictures uh, as in, in the history of art. I mean, it, comics have been around forever in a yeah, way. I mean, you know, they're definitely, you know, cave paintings that show yeah. sequences of things. Sure. And, and that's, that's technically comics. Yeah, I think that's right. The cave paintings were comics. That's right. We, we, we said it here. So, uh, and if you adapt those cave paintings, don't have somebody yeah. fly around the planet and no, reverse time. No, not at all. By they the way, I'm going to get so much shit for, for bagging on that Superman movie. You are? Oh, I can't wait. Really? I'm sure. Well, like from what? They're you traitor! There's how dare you? There's different camps. I'm sure. But yeah. but wait, you're talking about ones you saw when you were a child. Yeah. Those are old ones. They're old. And they're still the people that are hanging on. Hey, Richard Donner went on to do those Lethal Weapon movies. I don't mean to yeah. criticize. Yeah. He's definitely a fantastic director. Oh, no, yeah. 16 sure. Blocks. Yeah, I'm too old for this shit. Remember, that's him. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so, uh, what's the name of your first comic book label? Funkotron. Funkotron. Where'd you come up with that? Just one. out of nowhere? Uh, uh, a buddy of ours in high school 
had done this sculpture of a like robot head called the he called the Funkatronic Jive Head. Yeah. And we were just sitting around spitballing. Yeah. Like, oh, what are we what are we doing? What are we gonna call this stupid yeah. comic book company? And uh, and I was like, oh, I always liked the name of that sculpture that Jason did. What if we call the company Funkatron? And that was it. And, and that know. was primarily for Battle Pope. Yeah, I, I ended up publishing some other books, but you know, which other? I, we, I did an anthology called Ink Punks, another anthology called Double Take, and uh, you are, know, a couple things here and there. Are these big collectors things now? No, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't think people even know they exist. Oh, really? So, it, it, if you're listening, uh, please buy them on eBay so that the value will go up because I still have boxes and boxes of these books. <laughs> All of them? Yeah. Battle Pope? Well, I, I, I'm a pack rat. And so early on in my career, I was like, I've got to make sure that I have enough of these comics so that my grandkids and my grandkids' grandkids always have access to these wonderful works of art that I, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I think I got like 2,000 copies. You know, and I would punks? sell them at trade shows yeah. and stuff, but, but I would, uh, maybe, maybe a thousand, I don't know, I'm a little, little exaggerating. Yeah. I'd print 3,000, sell like 1,800, 2,500 or so, and then keep the rest and, and they're just collecting dust. But the funny thing is, I have kids now, and they could not be less interested in what I'm doing. So, like, how old I mean, are they? Nine and six. But but they're like, oh yeah, you do that. It's, yeah, it's just normal to them. So like me growing up with a father that like, you know, did sheet metal and you know, yeah. welding and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, I make comics. My kids are gonna be so excited about the fact that I make comics and I work on TV <laughs> and it's so neat. Yeah, and and like. Like I'm on like a talk show or something. Yeah. Like I was on Conan O'Brien once yeah. and I'm like, kids, come in here, look, your dad's on TV. And they're so young that they're like, I guess everyone's father is on TV. Right. They I, make, I don't care. Why is it why? special? I'm I'm playing. Yeah. It's about me. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they they don't like comic stuff? Uh my my son reads my daughter's a little young to get into it. She's six. Yeah. But my son my son reads comics that I didn't do. <laughs> That's probably going to go on for a while. So there's a there's a great comic uh, from Scholastic called Amulet, and it's very appropriate for his age and you know kind of geared to him. And uh, and he's got like all six volumes of that book, and uh-huh. keeps asking me when's volume seven coming out. Oh, when's so volume seven? He's in. It's genetic. And meanwhile, when he was like four, when my daughter was a baby. I was like, I do Walking Dead and Outcast and all this stupid stuff that kids my kids aren't going to be able to even watch until they're like 16 so i'm going to do something and so i got with this artist buddy uh, jason howard and we created this thing called super dinosaur yeah because he had kids too and we were also doing a horror book at the time and so super dinosaur is a is a genetically altered nine foot tyrannosaurus rex that's got uh like giant robotic people arms mm-hmm. that he operates with little joysticks yeah and uh he's got this little buddy named uh derek yeah that's like six or eight or i don't remember and they uh, they fight uh, they fight bad guys together and uh and i did it specifically for my kids yeah <laughs> just and i have four volumes of that book and i can't get them to crack the cover won't even look at it. <laughs> <laughs> they know i'm involved so it's not cool did, did his kids like it uh, yeah, his kids actually enjoy it. And did they, these he were, probably raised his kids better than I do. Were they available to the public? Did you? Oh yeah, yeah. They, you know, did yeah. they do all right? They did okay. They did yeah. okay. Yeah, I ended up just uh, you know putting it on hiatus for a while to focus on other stuff because there's only so much time in the day. But I plan to get back to it eventually. Oh, good. All right, so now let's get. Uh, so you got Funkotron. Fun- is that what it is? Funkotron. That's it. Comics. That's up and going. You've that- made two hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then I'd make three. Three hundred dollars in your uh in your one bedroom house in Kentucky. You and Tony are are brainstorming. Yeah. Drugs involved, weed. 
No, no. I, I, again, my parents were like, "Yeah, you probably shouldn't do that." And I was like, "Okay." Few beers. Nope. Nothing. No, I'm 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 almost a Puritan, but not really. Okay. Uh, religious person. No. No. Just all right. So you're just there, sitting. Yeah. Thinking <laughs> about. So how do you... I'm sorry that there's absolutely nothing interesting about me. I apologize. No, no. Your imagination is profoundly interesting. I mean, that's what. I mean, obviously, that's what gets you off, right? Yeah. So, so how does Walking Dead happen? Because I, I mean, I've re- I have the first batch of books because I I was dating a woman who was crazy for him, and she oh. and I watched the first smart woman. Yeah, she loved him, and we watched the Walking Dead together first few seasons. I have not checked in, but I'm I sure saw that, that episode of your show. That's right, we did that. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly sort of what happened. But um, but did that offend you? In any no, way? not at all. No, yeah. I think that stuff's great. Yeah, please. So, no, so I mean, I, they they told me. Uh, I, I don't know if this is still true, but they were like, uh, they were like, hey, you, you don't want to be on that podcast? And I was like, I don't. He doesn't like Walking Dead. Oh no! And they were like, yeah, yeah, I don't think he's watched it, or you know, doesn't want. He thinks it's stupid or whatever. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll do the podcast. <laughs> but I don't know if they even did this. But I was like, I'll do the podcast. But you have to tell him. Or tell them to tell him or whoever. Yeah. I don't know who's. That in the we chain can't of talk command. about Walking Dead at all. Yeah, I, no. I said. I, I said just don't let him do any research. Right. Like, I think that's. I think yeah. it's great. Like, I, I, I don't rarely. I rarely great. do. So you were right on target for Good. me to make. So a you pull still out have not watched The Walking Dead. Don't no, 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 no. I did watch it. Oh. That was a, that. That was more the. Uh, that was more the character. So because that really depicted right when it started, but eventually. No, but we you wa- said things on that show. Right. And I thought they were real. Yeah. <laughs> let me teach you a lesson about. <laughs> About how entertainment works. It looked and like fiction. people. <laughs> You're telling me the things that those people were doing. Were, I t- sometimes I saw it happening. Yeah. So it how, could it, how, did, how could it not be real? I think those conversations happened initially, but I, I did begin to watch it with her, and, and I got it. into it, and I followed it uh, for a while. But it didn't like in in the comics. I read the first few. Uh, I don't remember how many I read. But I, I did enjoy what I watched. Oh, well, that's nice. And I'm, you know, I'm not being diplomatic. I liked it, and I enjoyed. Like I was compelled by the story, but I couldn't keep up. It's like maybe someday I'll watch them all. But you're never going to stop making them, right? It's going to go on forever. <laughs> did you we'll have see. to give us permission? Was that you? Did you have to give us permission to do the Walking Dead? Uh, uh, to it shoot on there? Was not me. Oh. No, it was, uh, you know, AMC. Mm-hmm. AMC owns IFC. I'm sure it was sure. a very. But it wasn't as easy. easy it wasn't as easy as you thought. Think really? it was. Yeah. Um, all right, so how does it come about? What, what, what? I, I, you know, I was watching uh, a lot of. I, I was not allowed to watch horror films when, when you were I, a kid. When I was a kid, uh, why? A very protected child. I don't know. Like they said, it would scare me. Oh, uh, so uh, every Halloween, I was allowed to watch one horror film. It was like yeah, a Halloween celebration. I ended up watching Hellraiser every year. Hellraiser. Yeah. Oh, that one, the one with the guy with the pins in his face. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I never got to watch. Like the Romero zombie films. So I didn't watch them until I was like 18, 19, you know, when I was, you know, living in that house and my parents had left me alone in Kentucky and moved down to Florida. Uh, And so uh, I really got into them and I really, you know, I started watching more and more zombie films. I got into like the Lucio Fulci stuff and, uh, you know, he's an Italian director uh, that's done a bunch of zombie zombie movies and, uh, you know, and I loved them, but I was like, you know, at the end of the day, like, what are these people doing? Like, you know, the, the zombies attack, they run away from the zombies. And at the end of the movie, they either all die or they ride off into the sunset. And I, like, I, don't, I want to know what happens next. Yeah. And there was never any kind of zombie series, book series, oh, movie like, series. Like, how do we live with the zombies? Yeah, like, I, like <laughs> it's the, an ongoing they never problem. solve it. Right. At the end of every movie, they're like, 
well, the world's covered in zombies and we're out of time, so see you later, folks. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, like, how do you continue to like find food and shelter and protect your loved ones and live for years and years and years With after this ongoing the fall problem. of civilization? Right. Uh, and, and I was like, and how does that like affect you? You know, like yeah. the weak people becoming strong and strong people becoming weak and sane people becoming insane and like just the, the kind of transformation that you'd be able to, you know, like play with and, yeah. you know, work with character wise and that kind of a story. You don't seem to, you're not going to solve the problem though, are you? The zombie problem. Maybe. You never know. Mm. I mean, the goal, look, eh, exclusive to the yeah. What the Fuck podcast, uh, I, I do hope that The Walking Dead goes on long enough that, you know, when it ends, they're like, good thing we took care of those zombies, you know? <laughs> you hope that the humanity per- perseveres? Yeah, I mean, that's, I, uh, people talk about how Walking Dead's very bleak. Uh, and, and if you take a certain cross-section of the story, you know, yeah, it's horrible people are getting their loved ones eaten and they're and having they, a horrible time and but, they turn into zombies yeah but yeah. but but i see the story you know from beginning to end like over many many years and so i think it's a very hopeful story about uh, humanity overcoming this insurmountable uh, apocalyptic situation so okay it's so just gonna when, take them a long time to do it for as as long as they want another season yeah, well, <laughs> look, AMC, it's a very popular show, Yeah, and they, they seem to want it to go for 50 seasons, Yeah, and it may go for 50 seasons, right. but you know there is definitely an end point at some point. Right. I think that the popularity of the show, to me, is just, it, it's like, wait a minute, we're actually going to get to do this? Yeah. Because the idea is, yeah, like this this story that's like longer than it has any business of you know being, but... You know, it's that length and, and watching those characters evolve over that time that's going to be able to make it be this this piece that when it's all done, you look back on it and you're like, what the hell? Yeah. I thought they were just killing zombies. Right. Like, there's totally well, yeah. like a, sort of like an arc here and there's like a thing going on and well, I, I didn't think the story was about this. Right. I knew like pretty early on that there was some sort of, you know, episodic, you know, uh, that it was more about these people. Than it well, was about yeah. killing zombies. And that, yeah, I mean it's definitely, and they could go on as long as the as the world turns. Really, it could go on for twenty five, thirty years. <laughs> let's hope, <laughs> let's hope. But let's all be honest. Season sixteen. Yeah, you know, that's I'm not ju- even going to be watching the show. <laughs> that's when you jump the shark. That's where you see it happening. Season sixteen. No, I'll be on a boat. Oh yeah, I'll be like, oh, is seventeen out yet? Yeah, yeah, How's yeah, it going? yeah. How's it going? Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, I don't even get. I don't even get TV on my boat. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've transcended television. Exactly. This boat can fly. <laughs> Has it become international yet? I haven't checked in with The Walking Dead. Have we gone to other countries yet? Uh, the story-wise, no. But, mm. I mean, it's very popular overseas as a show. No, why? How do you... Why, someone's, when are you going to get them on a plane flying to... Uh, what's, what's going on in Europe? I mean, I, yeah, those are all great questions, and we may eventually explore that. But to me, I don't know. It's all... It's, it's about... Why just keep it in America? It's about finding water. Yeah. It's about building a fence. Okay. You know, when you make it bigger and right. you know, I don't that's know. That's when gets, you run into problems. It gets less interesting to me. I sure. Guess. Well I'd like to see what the you know, I'd I'd like to see what China looks like full of zombies. And I'm, I'd I'm sure if you know, we're doing this Walking Dead spin off and I'm sure if it does well we'll do Walking Dead China eventually. <laughs> but uh look I have What no, is this spin what's the spin off again? Uh, it's uh, it's called Fear the Walking Dead. And uh it's uh, uh it's another group of characters existing in Los Angeles. So which is kind of cool for me because... It's just a franchise. It's like the new Law & Order. So you're going to have like Let's a, hope. Texas Walking Let's Dead. Hope. Yeah. And LA and Walking crossovers Dead. Portland and... Walking Dead. It's great. 
gonna be great. Walking Dead SVNU. He's like, like, watching this malignant empire <laughs> take over the world with glee. Oh, sure, do another one. Yeah, let's hire some guys to write that. Uh, well, Canadian Walking Dead to try and avoid sounding like a complete sellout. Yeah, but let's all acknowledge this is spin. Um, you know, Walking Dead. You know, I, I, I'm from Kentucky. I, I've spent a lot of time in Georgia. I'm from the South. Uh, you know, you write what you know, and so The Walking Dead really was like a cool, like exploration of my region and the kind of people I know and experience and yeah. love and all this. Right. And and you know, between Walking Dead season one and two, I moved out to Los Angeles and living on the West Coast. And, yeah. And it, and and it is you know very different. Uh, and and. You know, I have a different life experience and different things going on here. Yeah. And so when AMC was like, The Walking Dead is very popular and we're going to do a spinoff with or without you. Would you like to do a spinoff? <laughs> is, that, is that what no, it came I'm, down I'm, to? I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, but I was like, I was like, you know, there's an opportunity there because I created The Walking Dead when I was 23. And yeah. so I'm a different person now. You know, I'm, I like to say I'm, I'm older, fatter, and slower. And so... You know, let's see what old fat slow me can do as opposed to this 23-year-old piece of shit that, you know, did that other thing. So, But wait, when, okay, so let's go back to that moment sure. where, you, you you know, the, the seed was born. So you were inundating yourself with horror movies. Yeah, I, 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 and, I, and, I and, love and zombie you, movies. And, I hate how, they, how, did they, how did they keep going? Yeah, right. and so I wanted to do the zombie movie that never ends. And and you, you just scripted out the first how many books? Well, I mean, the funny thing about, I mean, the, the great thing about Walking Dead was that I, I did it at a time when I had never had a success. Right. So I created the zombie movie that never ends at a time when I'd never had a book last more than six issues, yeah. <laughs> except for Battle Pope, but right. it never really did well. I just published it out of stubbornness. But uh, uh, so, you know, I didn't know that it would, if you read the first six issues, that we cover like a breakneck like amount of story and the whole like love triangle from the show with Rick Shane and Lori uh, is concluded in the sixth issue. And that's all wrapped up. And that's because I was planning for many, many, many years and I had like seeds in place that I would, you know, keep going if, if the book did well, but I didn't know that it was actually going to last past issue six. Right. And so, you know, I kind of wrote it in a way that if there was never anything after issue six, you know, you kind of get a complete story. It's about this, you know, cop and his wife and this, you know, infidelity. And, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of sad. There's a resolution there and, you know. At least it's got closure. Yeah. yeah. If it didn't happen. And, now, then it, and then it did well. What? It it did. It <laughs> took off immediately. The the comic actually, the, the, the thing that people talk about on the show is like, eh, every season does better than the last and it's yeah. crazy and it's breaking all the trends and, you know, more people are watching it. And it's cool because... There, you know that all happened with the comic just at a much smaller scale mm -hmm. so you know if people when i started doing the show would be like wow he's pretty good in interviews he doesn't sound like an idiot and that's because you know i had been doing interviews on the comic and had been kind of cutting my teeth in the comic space and you know like dealing with all that kind of so i've kind of dealt with everything that i have to deal with on the walking dead show in like a much more manageable way so it's kind of prepared me for it in a pretty cool way what is the relationship between like a, a a writer and an artist you know when you're making comic books how does that work well it's a very close relationship i think uh you know uh, uh there's all kinds of arguments you know oh one's more important than the other yeah. blah 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 uh, art is more important um but uh 
you know the uh you know it's it's the scripts aren't that much different than tv scripts mm-hmm. uh they're probably a little bit like if you handed a comic book script to a director they'd probably yell at you because you know it's, there's a lot of like you're seeing it from this angle and this is happening here and right. we're looking over this person's shoulder to see this and right. so when i started writing television they were like yeah you're you're telling the director how to direct you need yeah. to stop doing that right so so there's a little bit of formatting difference but you know, it's 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 two people coming together to create a work of art together, which yeah. is which is pretty cool. I mean, there's a lot of conversations that go on, uh, you know, outside of the scripting process. Yeah. But uh, but I mean, it's it's you know, it's does it's, the writer look at sketches? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I try not to do that because it's it's a tough job, and you know, you can be precious with right. things when right. art comes in. I know yeah. there's a lot of comic book writers that will say, you know, that will get things redrawn yeah. here and there because certain panels didn't come out how they wanted to. But I try to avoid that as much as possible. And, you know, there, there's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of like, you know, early drawings that are shown and you can, oh, you know, maybe that uh, yeah. face should be there. Or right. I, I kind of want to, they got to have this expression. because How's he going to fly with those this. shoes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and how many did Tony write the first? Or Tony drew the first six. You wrote the uh, oh, just the first six. Yeah. And you guys are no longer friends. <laughs> is that is that the deal? I feel like you've been on the internet uh, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 definitely an unfortunate thing, but I think uh, I don't know. I mean, I still love the guy. If uh, if he called today and said he needed a kidney, like there's a history there. Yeah. It's like real. Right. You know? Right. But uh, but yeah, we we definitely drifted apart. Yeah. Uh, so you know, over the show. I, I mean, over the comic. Yeah. You know, this that six issue break was a pretty, uh, yeah, pretty defining moment. I think in both of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there was, but it settled. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think we're cool now. I right. Mean, but not you know, friends. Uh, yeah. Sad. I guess not. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those things. Um, the woman I dated who loved the show, um, she was like. She she loved the show, but she also read the comics, and she's like, Dude, "It's not the comic." After a certain point, she's like, this, "This is not what happened in the comic." Now, are there purists, or have you won over all the people that were the you, comics? You're dependent? never going to win everybody over, and and the truth of the matter is, it's not the comic. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, there's some people prefer the comic. There are, there are other people that read the show or they watch the show. Yeah, I tell you, show, comic, read, yeah, watch. Right. I, I get it all mixed yeah, up. Yeah. Just but, take uh, it in. Take it just, in. Yeah. However you have to. Just buy it. <laughs> I have to pay for college. Um, but, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, there are people that like, they'll watch the show first mm-hmm. and then they'll read the comic and they're like, where's Daryl Dixon? This yeah. comic sucks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Uh, so it goes both ways. But uh, when it comes to working on the show, I'm in the writer's room. Right. So when they... We always start every season with picking a chunk of the comic to adapt or, you know, we're moving pretty, you know, linearly mm-hmm. with the comic nowadays. Is the comic ahead or are they both the comic's way sim- ahead. Way ahead. Okay. Um, okay. Fun anecdote. Right. Of issue 75 of the comic yeah. was coming out when the show started. Okay. And the stuff that's in issue 75 was adapted in the season finale of season five. So starting with season six, we're adapting the comics that were coming out post the existence of the show uh-huh which is kind of cool but we've got 140 but you're still a few behind like, we have 144 issues out and that's the bible for the show in yeah a way yeah so we sit down at the beginning of every season and we go we're going to adapt from here to here yeah. of the comic yeah and, and then we go okay how does daryl dixon fit into this because he's not in the comic how does 
Carol fit into this because she died way earlier in the comic? Uh, you know, what do we do with all the important storylines with Andrea because she died in the show and is still alive in the comic? Uh, and, and, and all of those things kind of bring about an organic process of turning the comic into something or turning the, the show into something that is interesting to me because writing the same thing again would be boring right. so you horrible. can you can honor some of the storylines that you think are worth uh, worth it and you are attached to by creating new characters for the tv show right right and and there's a lot of new stuff yeah. you know that gets put into the show that yeah we well, can do more exist. things i would imagine yeah. Yeah. i mean it would seem you could do almost anything with a comic which you can but the, the whole medium is different the, the comic definitely gets a lot darker than it didn't i mean it's not even I don't know. It's not even that we're like restricted at AMC or anything like that, but right. I know that there's a there's a assumption that you know if you get too unrelentingly dark, you can kind of turn away some of the audience. Well, people get attached to the struggle and 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 relationships of the people that they like. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about see like because like we got hung up with The Walking Dead, but before the TV show. You know, there was a you had a life as a comic book writer. I still have a life as a comic book writer. Whatever, you're you're a TV guy. <laughs> I so, am not. How dare you? I write three comic books a month. Okay, I'm kidding. Just saying. You write six. How do you get the gig writing for Marvel? I uh, they read, uh, you know, Walking Dead and Invincible and some of my other Image books, and yeah. they hired me to work there. And Image is a what? Who who runs that label? So so Image that press. is is it, it called Image, a press or a label? Uh, it's press. a it's a publisher. Yeah. So, um, image comics is like this, this beautiful anomaly in the world of entertainment. Uh, it was, uh, seven artists from Marvel in 1992, uh, left. And they basically founded this company that was the company that they would want to work for. Mm -hmm. And so the publishing entity itself only takes a small percentage of the profits to keep the lights on and keep the employees that do all the administrative, you know, production work and things like that employed. So, you know, I think the actual percentage is like 80% of all the profits go to the creators mm -hmm. and it's the only company in existence in any form of entertainment where it's actually like founded by creators. And instead of, you know, cause the television gig is great, but the majority of the money that, the Walking Dead TV show is generating. It's going to AMC. It's a, but you're saying it's an artist collective. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's now the third largest publishing company uh, in comics, and it gets bigger and bigger uh, every month. And I, I feel like it'll overtake DC Comics in the next five years or less. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. And you're and you're part of it now. I, I'm a partner in it now. Yeah, I was lucky enough to. They pulled you in. Yeah, yeah. This guy represents what we like. They, I think the way they put it to me is they were like, uh, "We're all getting old." And uh, we don't want the company to die with us, so we need to start bringing in some younger partners. Oh, wow. And I was like, yes, but my uh, my weight cancels out however younger I am than all of you, so I think we're all still going to die around the same time, so <laughs> who, who we're else? looking for new partners. <laughs> who else have they brought in? If you're 15, please start working on comics now. <laughs> yeah, we, and don't eat bad. Try to take care of yourself. I'm United, trying to do better. I think United Artists actually signed it, started similarly Yeah. Uh, uh, in terms of movies. Yeah, you, I think that was definitely the intent. Uh, was, I don't know what their Jane, structure yeah, is. Jane Pickford, Charlie it's, Chaplin, they were like, these these studios are taking our money. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean to sound like I was disparaging AMC or anything. It's 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 an impossible model to replicate sure. in movies and TV. Yeah, of course. Just because the, the economics in comics, you know, Tony Moore and I could sit in a room as 20-year-olds and 
make a comic book by ourselves and publish it. Yeah. You know, and you can still do that. Right. You know, with on the biggest comics. Sure. You know, you don't yeah. need all you need is labor. Mm-hmm. And if you're working for yourself and making your own thing, it's very easy to produce a thing without the publisher, you know, taking a bunch of money. And that's this is still the love. This is your love, the comics. Yeah, I mean I, I, I wake up I, I, I spend a small portion of my day every day, uh, you know, working on comics. So and what, which are the ones that uh, you have Walking Dead that is running now? Yeah, I do Walking Dead. I do a book called Outcast that yeah. just started uh, last year. It's yeah. an exorcism thing. Oh, good. Uh, and uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm bound to say that it's, you know, we start filming the first season in July. Of Outcast. So, yeah. For what network? Uh, Cinemax. Oh, yeah? So, yeah. So, you got cable. Yep. So that's going to get really filthy. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the pilot we, we had a screening recently for international buyers of the yeah. pilot and uh, i hadn't watched it in an audience i hadn't watched it with an audience ever and uh and when it was over i was like yeah yeah they should have they should have stopped me they, they should have <laughs> like i was uncomfortable i was like yeah i've, I've definitely crossed the line like what line I can't say, but oh. but I, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of violence. What is the uh, what is the um, the the angle of the of the seri- of the of the book? Uh, it's um, sorry, I, it's, I it's no, it's but you wanted me not to do research. No, I please. honored your wish. I uh, giving me the opportunity to pitch this on yeah, this platform yeah. is uh, is I guess technically we, why I'm here. What, but. What, why don't we frame it a different way? Sure. I, why don't you say uh, giving me the opportunity to tell you the story that I created <laughs> for this wonderful thing I'm proud of called outcast the comic book sure okay give me the pitch <laughs> i'll take the pitch it, 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 living in this town does yeah change your vocabulary it, it does in, apparently. in a really interesting you used to be way. a good guy man yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kentucky no guy. you're a sellout now look at listening to you. you're gonna pitch you're all cynical <laughs> god uh, damn it i hate myself so much yeah. um but uh, no it's uh uh again it's I love Exorcism, you know, movies. I love The Exorcist. You know, there's like four first, or five. Oh, first Exorcist movie, so good. It's great stuff. And and again, like the, the demon stuff is just terrifying to me. Uh, I don't really find zombies that scary per se. Anymore? I mean, you've uh, been around them a long time. I never really, you know, mm-hmm. never really. Th- when I watched the movies, I found them very interesting and compelling, but I yeah. was never really creeped out or scared yeah. by them. But uh, uh, but I, again, like there's always like, like, I never liked the way zombie movies ended. I also never like the resolution of like exorcism movies, yeah. Because it's always like, "Hey, uh, uh, this guy's got a demon in him. Yeah, let's go get that demon out." Yeah, and then they do a bunch of mumbo jumbo, uh-huh. and then and then the demon's out, and so the end of the movie is like, "Sweet, he's back." That guy didn't have a demon in him. Yeah, let's go home. Yeah, and I'm like, "Well, why don't you find out how the demon got in him, and figure out how to stop it, and why don't you?" Figure out how yeah. to keep. Where's the antidote? The, yeah, uh, like the why, why don't you like try vaccine? To, Where, yeah. What's the vaccine? Yeah, so so Outcast is kind of a, a an exorcism story about you know this guy Kyle Barnes who you know his his whole life is you know plagued with people that have been possessed around him and there's certainly some interesting things about him that will come to light in the series but it's treating demonic possession like a solvable problem. And so it's, you know, actually... Uh, in general. Yeah, yeah, like right. actually going to the source and figuring right. out how to prevent it and figuring Where out all the ins and outs of from? how it works, why they're here, why what they're this, trying to accomplish. What this neighborhood? Why this neighborhood? Why this planet? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My property values. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> With the demon possession. People, people are going to find out you got can't, possessed. Can't they move to another area? 
All right, I'll check that out. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, and I'd like to an excuse to get back in the comics. You just need a fucking time, you know? It's not your problem. You make the time. I know I do, man. If you I care about the, the comics, time. you make the time. Why do you think it's so fucking popular, this Walking Dead business? On a cultural level. I, I'm sure you've been asked that question. I've tried to figure it out myself. Uh, I, I mean, I have theories, but like what, you can't one put of them. your... What's so your like, theory? I don't know. I mean, I think that... You, you know, with the 24-hour news cycle and everybody talking about, you know, the drought in California, we're all going to run out of water and we're all going to die and the mm -hmm. big earthquake's going to come and kill us mm -hmm. and, you know, the global terrorism and, you know, the global warming and like all these, like we're constantly being fed this diet of bad news and gloom for the future. Hopelessness. It's yeah. actually kind of what Tomorrowland was about, which uh, is a great movie. I, I just yeah. Had, told damon lindelof that i really love the, the message of that movie so i feel like i'm now cribbing on it but anyway um you know i think that, that people like are constantly thinking about like can our civilization end will like will our civilization end it's something you know there's a lot of preppers people that you know have big basements full of yeah. you know, munitions and yeah. supplies and stuff and uh have, you know i think that the walking dead is a very digestible way to explore those thoughts right you know it's it's i saw rick grimes do this yeah. i would have handled it this way right oh that's a smart way to do this right. i would have done this and, right and how would i fare in this world and how you know what would i do and and it's 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 very personal you know you're watching a show but to a certain extent the show is making you think about your family and yourself and your life and your stability and your safety and and also the morality of treating former humans yeah yeah, like, that's, like, a, that's a big one. Yeah, I mean, because it's sort of interesting that it's a manageable apocalypse, that people survive. Yeah. Uh, however it happened, it's, it doesn't seem to be going away. And these were once people. I think that was like what drew me in the most was having to reckon with the fact that this loved one is now a monster. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the that's the like heartbreaking emotional thing about it to me. You know, I mean, I think that's the the real, you know, spark of the walking dead it's not oh i've got to go kill this monster that's after me it's oh my god my mother is dead and her corpse is like yeah. like she looks like she's alive right. and i see a spark of the woman i knew in her right. eyes and yeah like she's going to eat me if i like what the like well that just... whole that whole bit of business with the governor and his daughter oh yeah yeah but in the comic it's I mean, different as a parent like i'm like I don't think I would be able to kill a zombie version of my child. Right. Like, I don't like to think that I'm the kind of person that would, you know, right. kill people and feed them to my zombie child right. so that they would be, you know, passive enough for me to allow them to brush their hair. But there's a certain logic to it yeah. at the end of the day. Was like, that character different in the comic? Uh, no, I mean, he, he, you know, he had the, you know, bucket of body parts that he would feed to the kid. Yeah. The hairbrushing scene, yeah. you know, was definitely something that I think was, was, you know, it wasn't me. It was some brilliant right. writer in the writer's room that was like, yeah, what if, well, what if he's actually brushing her hair? Ugh, you yeah. know? Yeah, I guess that's true. It's, it's, it's a survivable apocalypse that, that doesn't involve, uh, you, you know, toxins or inability to breathe, like all the human needs are around yep. and they're still met the same way there's just a lot of dead humans who are now walking <laughs> uh, that are obstacles to getting those needs met definitely yeah. I, and i guess production sum it up very well <laughs> and i guess production has stopped though so eventually you're going to crap tap out of what's uh what's available well i mean i you know you gotta you know you know 
have a little faith in the human spirit. I think that- uh, You're telling me to have faith? Sorry, I apologize. I, yeah, take no, it, I, I take it back. No, I mean, I can have faith, but you're telling me to have faith that you, like you've, you've left a lot of nice hints that things might be okay. Maybe, maybe so, <laughs> maybe so. No, there's an entire issue of the comic book about how they've like figured out how to mill grain and make bread. Oh, they have. Good. And so, well, yeah. that was, like, it's, I was so excited about that. We got to like, get back to that. Did an issue of the comic about them making bread. Yeah. Like, is that going to be in like, the series? Yeah. It's like if we get to like season nine, there's going to be a whole episode about them cooking loaves of bread and being like, "Oh, we made bread. This is amazing. Yeah, this is great." Getting back to the earth yeah. finally. Oh, there's another zombie. We finally, throw bread at it. Yeah, we yeah, we finally we finally realized what's important in life and stripped capitalism down to it no longer exists anymore. And we're living off the land. Oh fuck! There's more of the dead people. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's exactly it. <laughs> okay. Well, how how are you settling into your sort of new, uh, you know, uh, what would you uh, your position in the world as a screenwriter? I mean, do you are you you got a movie coming out? Yeah, well, I mean, I produced a movie uh, called Air. Yeah, that's coming out in August. Uh, I didn't write it, uh, but uh, it's, uh, you know, written and directed by this guy Christian Condamesa, uh-huh. who's a really talented uh, video game director, and this is his first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, it's a good movie. It's really good. Good. And you're not writing movies. I, I mean, I'm. I, I, they just announced this. Uh, it's funny. Like the the it leaked that I'm part of the Transformers. Uh, yeah. You know, writers room thing. And I don't even know if I'm allowed to confirm that, but uh, sure, okay. I'm doing that. Might be happening. Might be happening. Sure, be happening. sure, it might be happening. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I can neither confirm nor so. deny, yeah. but I will talk as though <laughs> that is definitely a thing that's happening. Uh, and it's a fun thing about Hollywood, though, like we were totally like negotiating the contract, and I didn't know if I was even going to have time to do it. So we were talking about like what window I was going to have to work and everything, and uh, and then it was like, hey, it's it's closed. It's going to work. So okay. sweet and then yeah. like two hours later it was like hey you're on you're on variety or hollywood right. reporter right. or whatever and i was yeah. like how does that happen yeah. well, someone crazy someone does it no i know but i'm just like man when it's do you like have it's to go, fast the bigger question so is fast. which one who did it who who, who made the call like, can i tell my wife first no please no. please let me tell my wife first when she reads this online okay. she's gonna be so mad at me did you were you able to? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, she knew it was happening, but so you there have been times where things have been announced, and it's like, no, oh, I, I meant to tell you about that, but it was yesterday. Like usually, that's how you find out you lost your job in this town. <laughs> like they don't they, they don't tell you directly. It's like some guy you just run into on the street. I heard it. I heard the news. Like what? Oh, you didn't it's know. Awful. <laughs> awful. So you're part of every. You're you still are the in the writers' room doing the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah are I you mean, the head writer? No, 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 no. I have to. No, Scott Gimple is the showrunner on Walking Dead. Dave Erickson is the showrunner on Fear the Walking Dead. Chris Black is the showrunner on Outcast, and I just take all the credit. Yeah, and you're a consultant. No, I'm an executive producer, but you know, and I'm also in the room, hands on, right? You know, yeah, yeah. That guy would never do that. Do you say things like that? I don't think you should. Nah. No, oddly enough, I'm usually the guy that's like. No, let's kill him. It'll be crazy. <laughs> and they're like, but no, he's real popular in the comics. And, we, and I'm like, yeah, people won't expect it. Let's do it. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah. Now, do you find you're too busy to, to be a, you know, a family man? No, no. I mean, I, uh, uh, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's number one priority, you know? Um, right, is it? My, yeah, yeah. My, uh, uh, got a buddy that, that, you know, he, he explained to me one time that, uh, uh, your work will take up exactly the amount of time you allow it to. Yeah. And so he that's was, 
drawing like three comics at the time. Yeah. Eric Larson, great guy. And I was like, how do you do it? And he was like, I sit down at 8 a.m. and I leave my desk at 5. And if I don't get it done before I leave my desk at 5, I, I don't get it done. And I know that. And so I have to get it done. And I was like, okay. So he honored the hours that he made for yeah, himself. Yeah, and he and he said he said if you do that in the first month, your schedule's just gonna be fucked. But right. you'll eventually like figure out how to, you know, not and surf that's how you do not it? surf the internet. Right. And, yeah, yeah. I sit down and it's like gotta gotta do this. I get phone calls, you know, I do this podcast. Yeah. Things like that. I, right. And and I, I, I work till six. But right. six o'clock I go home. And hang out with the kids, put the kids to bed at eight. Every now and then, you know, if I got some script that's not done or some uh-huh. kind of thing, I'll I'll do a little bit of work from you know the after the kids go to bed and right. you know a little bit before I go to bed. But but yeah, but you don't get lost in the work. No, no. I mean, it's you know, it's got important. Your priorities. It's important. I, I love my work. Yeah. I'm so happy that I get to do yeah. it. But it's really not important. You right. Know? Sure. I mean, that's it, a good way to look at it. I think I think uh, my main goal is when my children are adults. Uh, two goals. I want my children not to be shitty when they're yeah. adults, yeah. and I want to not be blinded to the fact that my kids are shitty if they're shitty. Right? You know, like I don't want to be one of those parents that are like, what? "My son's such a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, no, he's explain he's this of, dead animal. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh no, it's actually a thing. You know, it's, 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 it's not in kid, one of my books. The yeah. animal was sick. Yeah. It wasn't his fault. It was a mercy thing. It's a mercy thing. Oh, he ate it too. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, that's sorry. my son. Yeah, stop watching my. Fine, watching my movies. Um, so how do your parents feel about it all? Uh, they, they, you know, they like it. I guess uh, they, you they're know, proud my, of you. My my dad, I love him. He, uh, <laughs> how's that movie going? Yeah, and I'm like, uh, you mean the TV show? Yeah, whatever, oh, whatever. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. Is, <laughs> no, he's that... very interested, but like, you know, the vernacular no, no, know. is not yeah. something that he gives a shit about. Right, right, so, right. Yeah, yeah. They know. I guess it's not a movie. They know. whatever. They know. <laughs> you doing it to mess with me? Is I, what they, you're I, I, I think there's there's always something that a certain type of parent will minimize <laughs> a little bit. Like, what's that little thing you got? The the you know, the, the thing that's not really a job. <laughs> 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 the thing that you don't have to use your hands for. Were, were they happy when you were doing comics? Well. I mean, like when you started, was it when you said, look, I'm doing comics? So my, my father was a small business owner. was yeah. very successful. Uh, and, uh, you know, always instilled in me, like work ethic and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And, you know, when I told him, yeah, I kind of want to do comics someday, he was like, yeah, just make sure you get a fallback plan. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew that my parents would be really worried about me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just didn't tell him. Okay. So like I quit my day job and I started doing comics and, and I struggled for quite a bit, but they were in Florida, yeah. you know, so it was very you easy were, for you me You stayed in to, Kentucky, yeah. Yeah, it was very easy for me to- Lie. You know, and lie. hide. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and so uh, I told him I still worked at the day job and uh, and then at one point my mother called uh-huh. and, and called my, you know, my work. Yeah. And then she called me up and she was like, they just told me that you haven't worked there in over a year- what happened? Did you get fired? Like, you never told me. Like, what's going on? And I was like, uh, yeah, I didn't tell you. I got a job at UPS. Sorry. So you made it up? Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I just didn't want, I didn't want, like, them to, I was struggling. I was yeah. struggling really bad, you know, and I didn't want them to, you know, be worried about me. And I didn't want them to be telling me not to do, well, right. you know, I knew that I was going to give it a go and, 
you know, trying to, I mean, the economics earlier, I was probably simplifying things a little bit. There was always a, there was a shortfall a lot of times. And uh, when I stopped working at the day job, I couldn't get loans from them. And so what I started doing was I would uh, put the printing bill for the comic book on a credit card. Right. And then I would live off of the money that the distributor would pay me yeah. that should have gone to pay off the credit card right. just because I didn't have a day job and right. you know I had to be able to make my mortgage and all that stuff. And so there was a time when I was, uh, it was like $36,000 in debt and I was making like $50 a year. <laughs> oh boy. But you kept and going. I, and I, 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 I don't talk about this a lot, but I, I would lay in the floor and shake because I would get, I had like 17 credit cards. You know, I had one that had $500 on it, one that had $5,000 on it, one that yeah. had $1,200 on it. And I, and I had to pay the minimum payments on 17 credit cards. And so I was like, I'm, I'm not paying these balances down. Right. I, I have to make five, it was like five or six, I was like five or $600 a month just to, maybe it wasn't that much. I don't remember the actual numbers, yeah. but whatever it was, it was like, like, Everything I was doing like went to that just so they wouldn't come after me. And I was like, I, I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. And I'm never going to pay this off. I, my uh, $400 a month or whatever. So you used to shake gonna, literally out of terror? Yeah. I would just like, I would just be like, I can't, I can't uh, do it anymore. I just uh, got to relax. And I would just lay on the floor and I'd be like, uh, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You fucked up your life, Kirkman. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh my God. And, and, and it was just, it was horrible. It's horrible. So I've told people like. I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, I would. Ne- I, if I had it to do all over again, I wouldn't do it. I, I'd, I'd work at the bank. Well, that's what people ask when when you, <laughs> you know? right when you're successful. They're like, "How'd you do it?" It's like, I don't know. It was it crazy. No clue. It was stupid. No. Like, there's no. no system. You can't tell like do what I do because you're like that might not work. I'm not. <laughs> oh no. wow! So it did. It finally worked, and you paid those cards. Well, off. yeah. I mean, Marvel. Right. You know? But God, it was right God, up till God then. bless that evil corporation. After, it was yeah. after Walking Dead that you still had those debts? Well, so, no, actually, a buddy of mine got the He-Man license, mm-hmm. Master of the Universe, those action figures from the yeah. 80s. And so he started paying me. And so then I had an income. And so I at least wasn't adding to the debt. And then uh, Rob Liefeld hired me to do a couple of Youngblood books, and he paid me. So that kept me from being homeless right. for a little bit. And then... Uh, so, I mean, Marvel actually hired me to do this uh, Sleepwalker book. Right. And they had this program called Epic Comics. And uh, they basically uh, realized that they could go to indie creators that were producing books on a budget, and they could give them a microscopic budget. For them, that would be a massive budget for us. Right. And so they came to me, and they were like, we'll give you $5,000 an issue to get a book written, colored, inked, lettered, all that stuff. and. Normally, bottom of the barrel Marvel book, eight, nine grand, mm-hmm. maybe 10, 15. Right. You know? And so uh, and so I was like, great, I can totally do that. I can pay myself 600 bucks. I can pay this guy. You know, there's different scales for different right. things that people will do uh, in indie comics. And uh, and so I got that book going, uh, produced a couple issues, and they said, uh, they said, you're guaranteed six issues. And I was like, great. I'll get my foot in the door. I'll write six good comics. This is awesome. After we turned in the first issue, and I turned in scripts for the second and third issue, they contacted me and they were like, we're shutting down the project. Really sorry. It was like Christmas. It was like two or three weeks before Christmas, oh my God. like in December. Yeah. I didn't have kids or anything, though, so yeah. it wasn't that sad. It's not like I had to go to them and be like, no no toys no. this year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, 
but I, I was just, I was wrecked. And then, then they were like, uh, those scripts for two and three that we had you do, uh, uh, we'll give you a kill fee for those at 200 bucks, but like, we can't like pay you for scripts we're not going to publish, right. you know? Sure. Sorry, kid. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what, what, what the fuck? What do we do? do? Welcome. What do we do? Yeah. And so I was just on the brink of, you know, collapse. And then, uh, you know, I had a in at Marvel. And so then they hired me and gave me an exclusive contract to give me a, you know, set paycheck and that allowed me to pay down the debt a little bit but that was happening at a time when walking dead success was ramping up so uh so you know i had the steady check for marvel and then checks from like walking dead and invincible as those books became more popular those were your own label yeah and they and and the income from those actually exceeded what i was making at marvel right and so i was able to pay off the debt very quickly uh just what a relief that was oh i can't i can't even it was it was it was, it was it was a good day in Kirkman Town that yeah. time. Yeah, what did you was, do? Did you celebrate? I, I just worked more, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> well, shit, man! Congratulations <laughs> on all of it. Thank you for surviving it and transcending it and 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 uh, destroying our culture. <laughs> well, great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for bringing. I, I'm definitely having a lot of fun with it, so I appreciate the support from everybody that's uh, you know watching, reading, whatever. So and, yeah. I, and now I got a bunch of reading, and it was great talking to you. Oh. It's a lot of fun, man. Right? Robert Kirkman, good guy, learned about comics, learned about a lot of stuff. Great story. Just a dude, had a dream, manifested it. WTFpod.com is the point. Uh, you can get on the mailing list. You can look at the new merch. All the posters that I have left from the tour are up there. You can get the Draplin poster. At uh, uh, that was just here in Portland. I, I I imagine they'll probably sell out, but you can get them um, over at uh, Draplin Design, which is draplin.com, D-R-A-P-L-I-N.com. Uh, yeah, I signed a bunch for Draplin. He's got a few on the site if you want to get them. They're pretty astoundingly beautiful posters. But all the rest are on my site. The book deal, the $10 hardback cover of Marin that's signed. Uh, that is on the site. So there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on the site. But just uh, go check it out. There's stuff there, and I love you. Did I mention I love you? I do. Thank you for listening. Boomer lives! Boomer lives!